This is part 2 of our J4 report. Let's learn more about developer practices, open rewrite, machine learning and certification. Welcome to the FooJ podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. On November the 9th I had several interviews with the speakers and guests of the JFall conference in the Netherlands. Last week in episode 33 of the FooJ podcast, I combined the interviews about evolutions in Java towards the cloud and sustainability. In this part we will touch on a variety of topics more related to the developer's life. Let's start with Tom and Eline, two outstanding speakers about maintainable code. I have two next guests. Who are you and what are you doing at JFall? So uh, I'm going to let Eline start. <laughs> I'm Eline uh, and I work at InfoSupport and um, today I'm here with Tom. Um, to talk uh, about leaving a legacy or how to be kind to the people who will have to maintain your code. Okay. And you are? I know you, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slightly, slightly. So I'm uh, Tom Coles. I'm also an engineer at InfoSupport and also the Belgian Java user group lead. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I love the analogy. I learned a lot from them. And today I'm indeed presenting a session with Eline and it kind of grew from the fact that uh, I often get sent to a brownfield project that we end up maintaining. So I try to fix it up a bit so Eline has a better time maintaining it because Eline is in the maintenance team. So I literally hand things over to Eline. So if the software that I hand over to her is crap, then she makes something beautiful out of it. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she will, but it, it actually hurts her. I'm yeah. hurting Eline. And if you can put a face to it, it becomes. Quite, uh, quite a bit more difficult to get, to ship shit, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And you have a session which is quite dramatic because I've seen it at Vox, <laughs> Vox in Brussels. Yeah, well, I think after our Vox session, someone came up to us and said, uh, "I'm going to sue you because I'm traumatized for for emotional damage." <laughs> but uh, that person is now working for us. So okay, yeah. uh, also, it was, was not that bad. No, uh, as you know, uh, we always. Uh, provides Belgian chocolates afterwards to to reduce the, the emotional pain that we've caused. Okay. But it's a very important session, and I think that everyone should uh, should come watch it. Your talk still has to happen? Yeah. In what time? Uh, 11.40, yeah, it's on the, okay, the well, board, so you can see it in the back. I can see it in the back in yeah. one hour. So you're, you're relaxed, nervous? Still kind of relaxed. Still kind of relaxed, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, we've done it quite a few times now this session. The only thing I'm I'm really a bit stressed about is the the emotional part. If you've seen it, you know what I mean, because that real still really affects me yeah. mentally. So that is something that I need to get over. But once we're past that part, it's smooth. And you are in the cinema, so you probably get an Oscar for your. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see about that. It's, it is an award-winning performance, so everyone should come watch it. <laughs> um, your speakers' boats, what do you do the rest of the day? Are you mingling with other people? Do you want to see talks? What is your goal of this date? Uh, yeah, I think we want to see some other talks and, and just mingle with the rest yeah, of yeah. The, the Java community. Something specific you want to see that's on your list? There's too much to choose from, I know. Yeah, I must say the, the content density is quite incredible this year. 
thanks to this guy. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you just look at the, the slot that we're presenting, so the 1140 slot, all the other speakers are like, wow. I would want to watch all those sessions, but we can't because we need to go to our own session. Yeah. And I have the same feeling with every every slot, like a bunch of different sessions, difficult to choose. And we do need to leave a bit earlier today. So there's a few sessions that we won't even be able to follow. But hey, you're missing the drink. Yeah, we miss the drink. So but sacrifices uh, need to be made for uh, the new life at home with the baby. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> uh, how important at the conference is the, the social contact? finding people with the same Java mind? Um, I think it's very important if I see, uh, because I'm, I'm really new to the Java community, but if I see how Tom interacts with everyone and, and knows everyone and, and, and when there's a problem with like Elasticsearch or when he needs to know something about OpenShift and he just knows who he needs uh, just from this kind of conferences. So that's, that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah so the, the secret pathways to Unclear documentation is just <laughs> writing one of the DevRel people and saying, hey, uh, I have this problem. I can't find it in your documentation. I help them because I'm signaling a problem and they help me. And especially for me, and you know this as well, <laughs> since you're helping organizing the BJEC, having contacts in the Java world, it's so much easier to go, hey, uh, uh, we, we had uh, lunch or, or dinner at some conference. You want to come over to the BJEC and come speak? So yeah. this is uh, partially for info support, but for me personally, also a good way to network and find new speakers to direct with their necks to Belgium if we, uh, if we can get them that far. And it's only a few hours from here, so. Uh, three and a half from Antwerp, approximately, this, this morning. morning. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned Antwerp. That's the reason. Not the problem, okay. Okay. Not, not this <laughs> okay. Maintainable code is very crucial as it can be a critical factor in your job satisfaction. That things can go wrong and how this impacts your life was the topic of my next guest, Luella. She is a C Sharp developer, so we also exchange ideas about different programming languages. Hi, I'm Luella Kremers. I'm a Microsoft MVP.NET consultant and also a speaker. And today I'm speaking about burnout and how as developers we can get into burnout and how we can also get out of there. And is that a personal story that you're yes. telling? Yes, it's a personal story about how I got burnout and also how I survived burnout. That's why it's called surviving and thriving. Uh, because uh, Tom Coles that I know from the Belgium Jug, he has a similar talk in the past. Yeah. Um, burnout is is really something which can happen fast in a, in the software development environment. Yeah. Is it based because of frustration of of the company that you're in about the organization? Maybe it can be, of course, the organization and the workload that you have, or not being able to plan well, too much work. Uh, maybe colleagues that don't always listen to you. It can also, of course, be a mix of different things. It can also be uh, physical health together with your work, mm -hmm. or maybe it can be family life together with your work, but that just becomes too much to mix and match. Mm -hmm. uh, that happens a lot. Most of the time, it's a mix between multiple parts of your life. Yeah. I think there is no, not a simple solution, but what are some tips that can help people to prevent this? Well, of course, knowing the signs. Uh, helps a lot uh, knowing or realizing if you're constantly under stress and that that causes headaches or fatigue or uh, that you can't sleep well. 
those are most of the time the signs that you have burnout or are almost at the burnout. Uh, once you think you're actually at the burnout, uh, however scary that is, seek professional help. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned you are a C sharp developer. Yes. So you're here in <laughs> the evil camp of J Java, or how I'm do you look intruder. at it? No. <laughs> you're an intruder. Yes. No, uh, uh, I've been going to Java meetings before because I just know people that do Java. And of course, .NET and Java aren't that very far Very, Yeah, very close cousins. Very close yeah. cousins. So people know people. So I went to uh, Java meetups and then went to go to Jinfall as a normal visitor last year. And now I'm here as a speaker. Yeah. Uh, what sessions uh, did you already attend yourself or you want Ooh. to attend still? What I want to take, I'm mostly going to the methodology uh, kind of sessions because, of course, Java, I don't speak that language, so that's a little bit difficult. But uh, yeah, I've been just been walking in and out of rooms, seeing what's up, uh, and mostly just the methodology. You're also sessions. always welcome to switch sides, huh? you can still go from <laughs> session up to Java. <laughs> the exhibitors, is that also something which you can find, uh, can learn from? Yeah, of course, there are a lot of uh, different parties here that also have a lot of different technologies going on. There are also quite a few that have Java as well as .NET or Java with Azure together, so that I can talk with them. Mm -hmm. There's also Microsoft Booth, uh, which of course also very good for me, because Microsoft RFP. Uh And yeah, just talking around, seeing what everybody's up to, mm -hmm. what they like, which technologies they use, because oftentimes those don't think about what's going on what's going on behind the scenes of a website that mm -hmm. you maybe visit quite often. So it's a bit special that Microsoft is here. Yeah. Um, Microsoft is one of the driving forces now of yeah. Java, of the evolutions in Java. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been doing C-sharp development also in the past. Yeah. How do you look at Is this a competition? I don't think so. I think people at some point in their life, especially in the Netherlands, or at least developers, pick kind of a site and specialize in that. So most of the time in the Netherlands, that will be either PHP, Java, or .NET. Uh, you can't really mix them all the time. It's better to just pick one and mm -hmm. just roll with it. So mm -hmm. I think most people that are now in Java will stay in Java, and most people that are right now in C Sharp will stay in C Sharp, and most people that are now doing PHP will stay mm -hmm. in PHP. So. I, you have a bit of the story about being a full stack developer, knowing yeah. everything. It's something I don't believe in personally. You no. cannot know everything. You can know a lot, but you cannot be an expert in many different topics. That's, yeah, that's true. And also, just context switching all the time is not good for you. So and um, probably also not good direction of burnout and getting bored yes. of your job even. Yeah. yeah. So that's okay. Uh, I wish you good luck with the session. Thank you. Uh, we are in the same time slot, so I cannot join you. <laughs> Again, the the multi of sessions at the same time is a problem. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, have fun, and good luck with the session. Thank you. Bye. One way to prevent work overload is to use existing stuff instead of reinventing it. Don't try to build everything yourself. And that's the topic of Willem's talk. I'm Willem, and I'm here today to uh, talk uh, in a night session, actually. It's very short, five-minute talk, and um, I'm going to explain today about the IKEA effect. And the IKEA effect is that you have something which cannot assemble. Have you ever been to IKEA? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. But you don't. How do you? Uh, what? What? What is the feeling? What do you have for feeling 
when you you've built something. Ah, oh, that's amazing. When it is when you succeed in building something. <laughs> Actually, and there's a psychological effect which is called the IKEA effect. It means that if you've built something yourself, it's better because the effect of 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 the excitement continues in your brain the next time you visit the IKEA. So. Can we reflect that on code? I think so. We want to build everything ourselves. Yeah, we do. I know it as the not invented here syndrome, not NH. True. But it's a bit different. It's, it's, it's slightly different because the effect of IKEA effect is not on the negative side. Most of the time, the not invented here syndrome is when you're afraid of using somebody else's code. That's not what the IKEA effect is about. The IKEA effect is more about I'm proud of writing my own code. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm proud of what I've what I've built, mm -hmm. and I'm going to explain what you can what happened to me, and I've had the IKEA effect multiple times in my career so far. You built something because you think, yeah, this has never done before, and you want to create it yourself. But let's be honest. And then almost everything has already been done. True. Is available most of the times as open source. Open source on GitHub. Yes, so exactly. Maybe indeed people should start thinking about can I maybe help someone else? And talk to your community. And exactly. Yes. And, and if you can make it better, please do. Do not reinvent the wheel. Do not try to make your own library, which is slightly better than the other one. No, let's try to make this one better because this one works already. Let's make it better. And maybe learn from being part of an open source project. Exactly. And step over over your your feeling of I'm proud of my, my own library. It's it's my child. I raised it. I created it. Yes, you can be proud. But it's not always smart yeah. to build it yourself. So it's a five minute talk. Yes. If people blink, they have missed half of it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and you have a few slides? I, it's well, an ignite talk is actually exactly five minutes and exactly twenty slides. No more, no less. Okay. So it's fifteen seconds per slide, and if you miss some words yeah. or you you trip over over your pronunciation, I hope it happens. I hope it's recorded. It, I want to see it. <laughs> I hope it's 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 being recorded as well. And in the end. Um, the crowd will enjoy. So, I hope you have fun today. Thank you. Fun with the other sessions. Thank you. Fun with your session. And I will. This is a short talk. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. One tool that can help you prevent doing unneeded work is Open Rewrite, and I talked about it with my next guest. Uh, my name is Tim Tebeck, and I'm a staff software engineer at Modern, and I'm here to give a presentation on uh, using the Modern CLI to upgrade applications. And later this afternoon, I'll give a workshop on upgrading your applications uh, to Spring Boot 3. Uh, workshop, are you the one who is filling the whole afternoon? Yes, so I'm, I, I'm missing three quarters of the program just from that one workshop and my presentation. But I'll be uh, just yeah, helping folks upgrade to the latest version because you have uh, about three weeks left until there's no more open source support on uh, Spring Boot 2.7 or 3.0. And Open Rewrite can help there. Yep, absolutely. So we have uh, OpenRewrite is an, a framework for safe code modifications. And we allow users to um, 
we have run recipes to do modifications to their source code to upgrade um, any kind of classes that have been moved, any properties that have been renamed, and all, all kinds of changes in that yeah. way. I've seen a talk at DevOps by Simon Verhoeven. Yes. He also talked about this. Yep. It's uh, a really hot topic. It's a, it's a really, uh, we're getting a lot more engagement nowadays. It's, um, well, I think at DevOps Belgium, we had three speakers on Open Rewind, and we've even had uh, uh, talks overlap, where multiple people from the community are presenting on this topic now. Yeah, yeah. So really cool to be part of that. Yeah, so it's a very good thing if people from the community are yeah. giving talks, and you don't have to do it anymore. I, I or is used, that a bad thing? <laughs> I used to be uh, a community member just presenting on this. And then at the start of this year, I, I joined the company. So uh, Yeah, that, that's actually nice. Sorry, we had it in the podcast before. So by joining an open source project and contributing to that project, it became your job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's now my job to do this. And um, that also means that you don't have to take time away from your regular job to do this. But it's actually, you can use all the time you have mm -hmm. to uh, yeah, present at conferences, to reach out. Things. And did you find a new pet project? Because uh, your pet project became your work. Uh, now my pet project is helping others to get started with this. So reaching out to other um, well-known frameworks to get them to contribute recipes for their software. And uh, that's what I like best about this, is the reaching out to folks and, and mm -hmm. seeing how they use it. Um, I think it was in the presentation by Simon. He was showing uh, going from an old Spring Boot application to a newer one, and you have all these recipes in between. Who is writing these recipes? So we, we luckily have a lot of community involvement there. So um, we also have a collaboration with the folks at VMware, where they uh, sometimes write their own recipes and contribute them back to us. We write our recipes when customers ask us to do that. But we also have a lot of folks from the community who find that Something was missed here. I need to do it another hundred times. So I'm giving you a recipe that we can then distribute and uh, yeah, have everyone uh, now being able to automate that change. I didn't look into the recipes themselves. How difficult are they? Are they codes? Are they texts? Uh, it depends. Uh, so it depends. We, we have it in every interview. <laughs> we have three different ways you can define recipes. So the, the simplest one is use uh, a pre-existing recipe and add some configuration. So if you need to rename a method or swap some arguments or rename a class or a package, all of that we have building blocks for that you can configure and combine and uh, just with a, just a YAML file where you say, rename this for me, mm -hmm. rename that, and all those together do a complete migration. So that can be a Spring application or a uh, Apache HTTP client migration. And all of that is just plain YAML files. Then the second one we have is similar to refaster, which you might know from error prone, where you get two annotated methods. And we, uh, from the before template you supply and the after template of what you want to replace, we work out the details in between. If you need more than that, we have a, a custom visitor that you can implement to um, yeah, migrate your projects in, in with the full flexibility of the Java language. Mm -hmm. OK, so it's definitely a project to take a it's look a, yeah, it's 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 very easy to get started. Uh, we have a lot of community involvement, and it's just uh, it's it's my biggest hobby, and now my job as well. And do you have content on Fuji about the subject? Do, do, do you already have content about this on Fuji? On uh, Fuji, I uh, I think Simon has has content. Ah, that, yeah, Simon Fuji, yeah. and I'm planning to do a okay. uh, uh, a small uh, blog about upgrading to Spring Boot three now that support is running out because okay. a lot of popular 
now finally are stopping to put it off and actually have to put in the yeah. work. Okay, so uh, always welcome to be an author. You know that. Yeah. It's also an invitation to everyone else. If they have content for Fuji, they yeah. can add it there. Many visitors attend conferences to learn what is evolving within the language and runtime. Developers need to keep up with new evolutions. But also teachers educating the next generation of developers need to be informed. Elvira is one of them. Hi, um, I'm Elvira van der Ven. I'm, uh, I'm actually a teacher at the University of Applied Science in Rotterdam. And uh, we're teaching Java and, uh, and a lot of other uh, languages. But uh, here I'm mostly for, uh, for Java with a couple of students. Okay, and what do you want to learn today here at uh, JVO? Um, my main goal is to see the, uh, the newest uh, yeah, developments in Java, but I'm also inter really interested in uh, AI as a personal interest. Uh, and another uh, goal is to find uh, guest speakers for our, uh, for our educational system. Uh, you say that you're using Java in your education. Yeah. Uh, how important is Java versus other languages? Well, actually, uh, Java is our uh, main point, uh, as, uh, as I could say, our uh, mother language. Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, uh, like in Belgium, I'm from Belgium, I see that there are a lot of schools are choosing for C-sharp. Do you see some differences in how you can use these languages? Well, uh, we are technical informatica, so we are uh, programming robots uh, and that stuff. Uh, we have also informatica... Uh, um, track mm -hmm. uh, they are using a lot of c-sharp but we have to be different the biggest question that our uh, track is more uh, python or java yeah that's a bigger uh, issue yeah um i was at devox i saw a talk about uh, langchain for j which is a java library to do machine learning is that the kind of stuff you also use already in education i would like to but that's <laughs> far from uh, from the reality yeah, so yeah. that's actually the reason i'm here because uh Years ago, I uh, started uh, AI uh, master myself, and there was just Python. Yeah. While I was, I knew only Java, mm -hmm. so I tried to start it in Java, but it was really hard and actually unknown and new. Yeah. So yeah. I'm happy to hear that there are a lot of uh, Java libraries. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in that. Uh, uh, yesterday uh, at the speaker lunch, I had a small discussion about there is no bad language in education. You need to know the principles of programming, but someone said, yeah, but Python doesn't teach you the things about object-oriented and type safety. Is that also something you take into consideration? Uh, well, there is no bad language if you choose wisely, because uh, you can try to do uh, to program uh, a, a hard machine with uh, C sharp or something.net, mm -hmm. uh, or you can try to uh, program in a user interaction program with Haskell, which don't yeah. accept uh, input and output. That's bad language. But in other cases, it can be just the perfect language. Yeah. Like in all software discussions, it depends. Yeah, it depends a lot. Elvira wants to learn more about machine learning and AI, one of those hot topics at each conference these days. Luckily, we have Lutzke, who has a talk about it and shares her insights. Uh, it's coffee break time, so there's a lot of people around here. Yeah. But who are you and what are you doing at JPOL? Uh, I'm Lutzke Liu. I work for Luminous. And today I had the early bird session about machine learning 101. Machine learning, yeah. one of the hot topics. Yeah, it is. Now with ChatGDP and Gorek, it's all the big hype. Yeah. And was it really Java-related machine learning or a more broad topic? No, it was in Python. I thought, 
maybe I should do it in Java, but I thought, yeah, let's stick to the plan and just do it in Python. They uh, accepted my uh, proposition with uh, with Python. So yeah. And why do you still do it in Python and not in Java? It, are there things missing? Um, what I experience is in Python, it's easier to understand and it's a one-on-one -on -one topic. Even it's JVAL, so a big Java conference. And um, there are more libraries uh, in Python that are already there and it's much faster. So for the little bit of time, it's mm -hmm. easier to do a lifetime, real time with, uh, with Python. Okay. Uh, at uh, DevOps, I saw talk about uh, Langchain4j. Yeah. So Langchain is a Python library, if I'm correct, and it supports to Java. Are you seeing more evolutions of machine learning for Java? Yeah, when you saw like five years ago, it's like horrible, don't do machine learning in Java. It's not built for it. And now you see like, uh, yeah, Java has a big community and we want to do something in our own language. So now you see more and more is in the, the Java things like with the, the number chain and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I can see the shift, but I'm not really uh, convinced we're there yet to, to do it optimized in Java. Okay. What do you do with machine learning? What are you using it for? Yeah, a lot of things. Uh, I'm In my talk, for example, I'm talking about how I got into machine learning with uh, just a hobby project. But I'm also talking there about that uh, nine of, out of 10 times, machine learning isn't the solution or AI. We think it's very cool. It is very cool. But most of the time you forget there's a lot of data cleaning and organizing to do before you can start. And that takes so much time and effort and money. You can better just write uh, yeah, normal code. A lot of if-else uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. One of the answers is I don't do a lot of it because most of the time the answer for the solution is not machine learning or AI at all. Yeah. Um, a lot of machine learning, chat GPT, lang large language models. Should we be afraid as a programmer for our job? No, no. If you're now afraid of your job, I think uh, most of the things that are repetitive is going to uh, fall out. So we have more time for creative solutions and that kind of things. And if you're not doing that right now, you probably should change jobs and do other stuff. So I think we only have more time to do the stuff we want and deep dive into the complexity and the stuff. Mm. So no, no, not at all. Do you ask ChatGPT for code examples if you're coding? Yeah, if I'm stuck, I do because I, it, it, yeah, it's like a rubber duck, but it answers also. So, and if it's not a sensitive code at all, of course. But um, yeah, I use it when I'm stuck. And does it help you? Do you get the right answers? Sometimes, but it's still I use the free version and it's hallucinating a lot. So yeah, I use it for inspiration. I'm stuck and I'm asking it a question and then gives something and maybe it's not the right question of right answer, but I can do something with it and go on for there. So okay. yeah, not for the solution, but for the thinking process. To help you and yeah. if you get stuck. Uh, there are a lot of sessions today. Did you join other ones? Yeah, I did uh, join some other ones. Uh, one about profiling and some Ignite sessions and one about, what was the other one? So bad, I didn't too remember. Much. <laughs> yeah, I tried to join also other sessions, but it's also a community thing, so a lot of people and networking. So 
sometimes I miss one because I'm talking with so many people who are like, oh, the session is already halfway yeah, through. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, finding one is, seems to be very popular. A lot of people went there. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, 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 it was very packed. Uh, the, the, yeah, it gives you a lot more insight into your application. Yeah. Yes. I'm not an expert, but that's what I learned here uh, by asking to people. Um, we have still a few sessions to go. You have an idea what you will be joining? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> that's very bad. But... No, no, it's a constant. Everyone, yeah, I, I select that the last moment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So many amazing sessions at the same time. You can just join whatever you want. Yeah, and sometimes you think, oh, I go to that session and it's already packed. And I was like, I'll watch it later and I go for another session now or network or see it sponsor yeah. booths or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of people here. You're, yeah. you're from the Netherlands? Yeah, I'm from the Netherlands. So there are a lot of people here you probably know from other companies. And... Yeah, a lot of old colleagues and uh, people from uh, from school and all the stuff or people from Gavel and or just the common Java community. I see all the people. So uh, yeah, yeah, every year more and more uh, common faces. Okay. To close this part of the J4 review, we'll look at a new tool in development for Fuji as work is ongoing to extend the site with a certification tool. And that's the subject I discussed with Roy, who has a long JFall history. I've been here, uh, I think, for the 12th or 13th time, and uh, used to be in the board, and uh, I helped organize JFall, I think, up to three years ago. So uh, I have been as a visitor the last few years, which is a lot of fun, because instead of worrying about organization, you get to talk to people and enjoy the conference itself. And the cool thing now is that, um, I actually get to do a talk uh, later in the afternoon, so uh, that's uh, very, uh, I think it's very cool. Uh, after and being in an organization so many years that I get to go on stage, uh, yes. And your talk is about? So the talk is titled, How Good of a Developer Are You? And actually has a link to uh, Fuji, maybe interesting to tell. So uh, working with some people on the Fuji community uh, on a test that uh, is able to measure programming skills instead of actual knowledge like you get if you do an philosophy exam. And there's a lot of research uh, actually behind the platform that we're using for this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, can you tell a bit about that? Yeah, um, and I know the subject a bit. I didn't do the test yet myself that you are developing. I don't dare to do that. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a little bit scary, right? I, if I was in a job interview and I got this kind of Java questions where I had to think like a compiler, then I just block because these are not the questions that you as a Java developer should know, I think. It's really about how do you understand code? How do you write code? I think those are the important things and that's exactly what you want to achieve. I think that, that, that that's really true. And uh, there's a lot of debate around this issue. Uh, I mean, if you ask uh, 10 different developers, they probably come with uh, 10 different things they think uh, are really important to being a good developer. I think most of them would agree. It's not. It's more like a practice, something that you learn by doing and that you develop some intuition for how to approach a problem in, instead of being able to reproduce the exact steps in which uh, program was interpreted by the compiler needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. For me, my, my best job interview I ever had was the Java developer working on a product. He, he gave me his laptop and said, this is my code and I need to add this field to the database, something like that, do it. And we just worked on it together. And I think that gives you a much better view of how someone works and what they already know. 
and that's the kind of things you want to test, correct? Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's also, of course, uh, if you do set up like that, uh, there's still like a subjective component here because then you get hired based on what that specific job developer thinks is the kind of behavior is looking for another developer. Um, but it is uh, testing practical uh, knowledge. You, some people might experience impressions in such settings. So I would say ideally uh, you do have a setup like that where you have like a real world problem like the one you worked on. But then in an, like a neutral environment where you can work in your own pace with the IDE that you uh, like uh, to work with, um, so that you do, so that you don't uh, have an idea of somebody's watching on my finger. So that maybe that uh, it's even more ideal. But uh, yeah, it, but but it's I think really a step forward to do it like that instead, yeah. instead of checking if somebody knows like a couple of acronyms or uh, can recollect uh, how some kind of. Uh, computer science search algorithm works uh, and so on mm -hmm. yeah yeah so looking forward to that being added to Fuji. And that brings us to the end of part 2 of my J4 review. In the following part, in a few weeks, you'll learn more about the Maven project and repository and the impact on security concerns. And we will have some battles with JavaFX versus Swing, HTMX versus Timely versus Vadin, and Juke versus Hibernate. Keep an eye on Fuji for future articles and podcasts about development and everything related to the Java world. Thanks for listening. Give me a Give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.